Hello, fellow innovators. This is Patrick Emmons. And this is Shelley Nelson. Welcome to the Innovation and the Digital Enterprise Podcast. I'm super excited to introduce Allison Robinson of The Mom Project. She is a, an accomplished CEO founder. Uh, her organization is doing some really amazing stuff and I think represents an opportunity for growing organizations to, to leverage experience and talented people that maybe uh, they didn't have access to before. I, she's a very humble person, I know, but I wanted to uh, let everybody know that she also was one of the 40 under 40 winners, 2018 from Cranes. And I think that's pretty amazing stuff. So Allison, if you don't mind kicking us off, tell us a little bit about the mom project, your background, how you how you got into this and, and where you see it going. Yeah. So the mom project is a digital talent marketplace uh, that connects over 125,000 talented women with rewarding work opportunities from everything from Fortune 50 to fast-growing startups. So we are really the matchmaker between companies who are looking for incredible diverse talent and the women who are looking to align themselves with employers that really respect women, families, and are able to offer flexibility. My background before founding The Mom Project, uh, I spent about nine years of my career at P&G. So I started there first in sales, um, partnering with some of our largest retail customers across the country, everything from grocery to big box and increasingly online retailers to figure out how we could grow the P&G share um, at these large, large organizations. And my last three years at P&G, I had the really amazing opportunity to help lead our Pampers innovation team for North America, which was both product innovation and how we could better reach and market moms. So love that role and spent a lot of my time speaking with moms in their homes Um, figuring out how their habits were changing because of technology. And while I was on maternity leave from that role, I just had my son Asher in 2015 and came across a stat that over 40% of American women leave the workforce after having children. And I felt like, wow, what an incredible opportunity it would be if we could help that 40% of women either stay active in the workforce by finding them work opportunities that better align with their family needs and also help women who have been out of the workforce get back to work with great companies. So I decided to leave my job at P&G while I was on maternity leave and have been working on the mom project ever since. So we just had our third year birthday um, back in April. So we're, we're still a pretty young company. That's really amazing. So I, I registered on the website. This is actually very topical for, for my family and for me and my wife. Uh, she's returning to the workforce. She's a, a teacher with a master's degree and, and eight years of experience. And when she was looking at returning to the workforce, she was open to alternative uh, job opportunities as opposed to going back to being a full-time teacher. I, what are the types of roles? What are the opportunities? Is it full-time gigs? Is it part-time? Is it fractional? What, is, what does that look like? Yeah. So we see that the average um, desired schedule for most of the moms on our platform tends to be around 27 hours per week. So a substantial workload, a little more than part-time, but not quite a full-time schedule. 
you know, I, I think the needs and, and the desires are pretty diverse across the spectrum. Um, we do everything from full-time work to very small projects. About two-thirds of the, the work types that we're currently connecting women with are project-based in nature. So, so it really is a mix right now. And then in terms of particular functions, we've seen a lot of success around business, kind of core business functions, um, given that a lot of our customers are Fortune 500. So everything from marketing to technology, HR, operations, finance, accounting, legal. And it's been really cool. I mean, ultimately, our goal is to be able to serve every mom. So there's really exciting verticals that we've yet to really uncover, such as education, healthcare, but our kind of business has been starting point. That's great. So, you know, you mentioned, you touched on the gig economy. Is that something you, from your perspective, is that one of the motivations here is understanding that the gig economy is, is definitely coming? What's your perspective around that? I think it's a really fast growing piece of the workforce. We actually see that women represent the majority of people that choose to freelance full time. And if you ask them why they choose freelancing as a career path, they would most often tell you it's that flexibility to construct the workday around caregiving commitments. So we think meaningful gig work can be a really amazing career path. For many women, we know it's not without challenges, whether those be income, uncertainty, or healthcare. Um, but we feel like those are they're problems that can be overcome. So I'm very bullish on the gig economy as being a great career path for for moms. Allison, you mentioned that healthcare and education are a couple of areas you're you're waiting to break into. Do you feel that there's a reason that um, they haven't adopted yet? You know, I think. Um, we honestly just haven't really focused on them. I think there's a strong desire. If you look at in the U.S., I believe they're forecasting a 10 million nurse shortage. And many nurses are moms. So we think that could align really well with our talent. So um, no, I would say it's not for lack of interest. We've just had to kind of stay focused on on what we're doing. We're still a very small team, but it's absolutely part of our long-term vision. That's great. That's great. And uh, curious, how can companies assess if they're the right profile for your community? You know, I think one of the things that we were really intentional to start with in, in starting the business is we want to meet companies where they are. We realize that not all companies today can offer a year of paid parental leave. And so to them, it's okay. Let's meet you where they are. Uh, we have a research team. We actually have a PhD on our team who often helps meet companies kind of understand where they're at on their journey and what are some of the near-term steps that they can take in action to be a better workplace for parents and caregivers and women. But I would say generally things that we're looking for is Leadership and company commitment to supporting families, number one. We've looked at really what are the key drivers of women feeling successful in the workplace. And it often always comes back to respect. So is this a company that really values caregiving responsibilities? I would say is number one. Number two, we, we love companies that are able to offer flexibility. And I think when people hear flex, it's often, is it fully remote? 
And, and often, you know, we see a lot of times moms in our platform are looking for a combination to work, be able to work in office as well as remotely. Or sometimes it's just a shorter commute. So maybe companies have this flexibility policies in place, but they're just not sort of publicized or, you know, kind of being marketed by their hiring managers um, that these are options. So helping helping them on that. And then third, I would say is benefits. We know particularly for moms, there's there's certain benefits that are really attractive, specifically parental leave policies, childcare subsidies, paid time off, etc. So I would say those are kind of the major themes that we're looking for. When we're looking to embark on a new partnership with a company, but again, it, it really often goes back to the respect. You mentioned, you know, certain size organizations. Are there certain industries that you're seeing a lot more success in? It's actually pretty across the board. Everything from more established industries like oil and gas to technology and fast-growing startups. So we're not really concentrated too much in any one particular industry or sector. I would say some of the early adopters of the MOM project have been companies in the consumer retail space. They really see the value that moms bring, not only from a workforce perspective, but how it makes them stronger in attracting the consumer base. And and there's certain areas that we're not yet surveying, um, I was joking the other day, freight and logistics being one. But across the board, I would say we're getting pretty great adoption across a wide range of industries. And Allison, I think I read somewhere you're going to be opening offices in Atlanta and San Francisco. That's right. So we, now that we're about three years in, we've really focused on three markets, um, which have been Chicago, Atlanta, and San Francisco. Um, So we now have a a footprint in Atlanta and San Francisco and are looking to be growing into new markets closer to the end of this year and in 2020. Interesting. So who is it that you're engaging with at these different organizations? So imagine one of our our listeners is is interested and and wants to, is this something they can do on their own? Is it something that normally an organization is going to work through HR or procurement, something like that? Yeah. So um, our entry point into a company tends to be within the HR function, talent acquisition. So they tend to be our business partners in cultivating a partnership. And then it's been really cool to kind of see the energy um, and growing from there. So HR tends to be our sponsor. And it's not uncommon for us to come on site and meet with maybe employee resource groups, women's groups, speak on panels with a leadership team on why a partnership with the Mom Project makes sense and really aligns with the company's core values. So we see that it often spreads. It starts with HR and then maybe we'll get introduced to a marketing team or finance team legal, et cetera. And and we love working directly with the hiring managers. It's very easy for them to post jobs directly on our site. I know coming from P&G, often you've got a business need and you need someone yesterday. So companies are really pleased with the quality of talent um, and the speed. Uh, Typically, after a job's posted, hiring managers start seeing really qualified applicants within 24 hours. 
And Allison, I, I read in Cranes that the Mom Project is basically an Indeed dot uh, com for mothers who want to re-enter the workforce. I'm curious, as a founder, that might be both frightening and exciting <laughs> because to think you might explode, right, and and have uh, much greater needs than you do today. But on the the flip side, you know, again, as as a founder, wanting to know where you know the next client is coming from. Absolutely. I'm honored by that statement. Clearly, Indeed has done very well, and I believe is the largest job posting site in the country, if not the world. Maybe LinkedIn. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure, actually. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is a shift um, in the recruitment talent space, and really aligning towards this more community centric, and so fostering community amongst individuals of similar interests. So for us, that's mom. And so as we think about the long-term vision of the mom project, yes, it's absolutely to continue to get more moms hired and um, to keep them in the workforce. But we think that there's so much more of a role that we can play in that to ultimately fulfill our mission to build a better workplace for moms, women, and the businesses they support. So whether that means just offering free childcare to moms to get to their interview or consulting them on how to prep for an interview if they've been out of the workforce, I think by staying very focused and true to this specific demographic, we can serve them in a much more rich way. And what is the relationship for these these employees, for the people that are actually going to be doing the work? Is it some kind of contractor relationship? Yeah. So typically the company that engages and posts the job um, specifies whether that will be an employee arrangement or if it will be an independent contractor. So right now it's a mix. I would say a lot of for the big companies we work with, it tends to be an employed relationship. And for smaller companies where it tends to be much shorter projects, very remote um, in nature, those tend to be more of the independent contractor agreements. Very interesting. Yeah. So is that one of your differentiators with something like an Upwork uh, where this could lead into actually a full-time hire? Yeah. I would say if you look at us versus an Upwork, those tend to be pretty short-term projects. The mom project tends to be more long-term robust projects. So maybe being an interim CFO for a fast-growing startup that really needs someone with excellent accounting experience, knows how to scale the function, but they don't need that as a full-time resource. So it tends to align really well with maybe a mom in our network who has that incredible background, but is looking for something more part-time, project-based in nature. And Allison, given that we have the lowest unemployment in almost 50 years, how has this impacted your business? Yeah, I think it's a great forcing mechanism for companies in a few different ways. I think for one, it's opened their eyes to pools of talent that maybe had been overlooked in the past. So with, in many cases, negative unemployment, the addressable talent pool, you're competing with everyone else. So let's look to very unique talent populations, whether that be veterans, moms that have sort of been overlooked in traditional hiring channels. So that's been obviously awesome for us. We're super excited to be having those conversations about what companies have been missing out on 
I also think it's really shifting behaviors around flexibility. We mentioned one of the markets that we're serving is San Francisco. And for many companies, the great talent, it's very hard for a small or mid-sized company to compete with a Google or a Facebook, especially with a cost of living being so high. By being able to hire remotely, that's opening their eyes to a vast of candidates that they're not going to see in San Francisco. So I think it's forcing really great behavioral changes. I guess uh, one of the things that uh, Shelly brought up to kind of change the subject a little bit, uh, one of the quotes that she saw recently was that uh, you're a big nonfiction reader. And so what is your, your most recent favorite book that you're either currently reading or have read? Oh, man, there's a few. I recently reread the book by Laszlo Bach, who I think, and Shelly, you probably would know this better than me, was the SVP of People Ops at Google. And as I'm becoming a manager of now a 50% team, that book has been incredibly helpful for me to understand how we can better support our employees, build policies and structures to drive high performance. I would say like management, leadership, organizational growth is a topic that I've been spending a lot of time trying to educate myself on. So that's one. I am a big fan of behavioral economics. In fact, who I mentioned is the PhD on our team. Uh, Behavioral economics is her background. Dan Airely is an author that I think very highly of, predictably irrational, kind of brings me back to my consumer days at P&G and really understanding how people make decisions, realizing that it's often a lot of emotion. And for us, we, we absolutely see that's true. There are many emotional reasons why people are attracted to the mom project. Um, so those are a couple that, that I've been uh, reading as of late. You mentioned something else about your growing your team and some of the challenges therein. What is maybe your, your biggest lesson learned in the last couple of months as your, as your team's expanding and, and bringing on new people, making sure that they, they're settling in? Yeah. So I am so fortunate because for me, um, I spent a lot of time recently away from the office, whether it's meeting with customers or doing press events, et cetera. I am so fortunate to have such a strong lead team that I work with. And so I have just really had such an appreciation for their leadership um, that allows me to step away from the day-to-day if I need to, to make sure that the company and the needs of our employees are being met. So I continue to learn a tremendous amount from them. I think all of them have more management experience than I do. So, so that's been one of my greatest learnings is just surround yourself with great people Because something that I read not so long ago is when you're hiring someone, would you want there to be kind of 10, 100, 1,000 more people like them? So that's that's been a really important lesson for me. That's great. Any surprises or setbacks or anything where you'd say, hey, this was uh, something that, you know, you only see when when you're building a company, right? When you're starting out from scratch and you just kind of own it from the very beginning. Yeah, I think for us, it's kind of interesting because our mission is certainly so we're such big proponents of flexibility. And that's certainly something that we champion and advocate advocate for um, with the companies that we work with. But it's interesting because we ourselves are still very much an early stage venture backed startup with like very, very aggressive growth targets. 
So I think it's been like an interesting journey for us to kind of understand what flexibility can look like for us and sort of that balance of wanting our employees to have the best work-life integration possible and, and balancing that with the demands of a hyper-growth startup where we know that there is a lot of benefit in us just being together. So that's been just an ongoing journey that we're on. Allison, I'm still finding it hard to believe that you are up to 50 employees. I think when we met a couple of years ago, it was three. So congratulations. That is amazing. Thank you so much, Shelly. I, um, I really appreciate that. And incredible people like you have, who have been supporters of the Mom Project from day one. It's literally made all the difference in the world. And we're now so fortunate to be backed by some of the greatest investors in the world. So we're, we're so, so excited um, about the progress and really what we can do over the next three, five years. So we thank you so much for your support. It means the world to us. Well, and you mentioned that emotional connection that a lot of your clients have to the Mom Project. Have you found there are a lot of dads who advocate for the Mom Project, whether that's you know internal champions within some of your, your clients? Absolutely. And in fact, one of our lead investors is Alexis Ohanian. And he calls himself business dad. And so I think, you know, dads are like, you know, we're called the mom project, but we might as well be the family project because really we're aiming to help all parents, caregivers, whether that be children or your parents, any loved ones. So dads place a huge role in our mission and they're amazing. In fact, my husband and is my co-founder in the business, Greg. So without him, none of this would be possible. So it's awesome to see the support from dads as well. Yeah, that's incredible. Awesome. Um, Allison, I would love to ask any advice that you have to other founders out there. I would say take time to care for yourself is one thing that I've learned. It's like so hard to disassociate yourself from the business. It's such an emotional roller coaster. You can get the best news you've ever heard and the worst news in the same day. And so what I would encourage other founders is like, make sure the work can be so all-consuming, um, distance yourself from it and be really intentional about keeping your interest outside of work. Because I think it's just really important that your whole identity is not wrapped into the success or failure of your company. So I was talking with a friend of mine just yesterday, someone who has also been in the workforce for 20, 25 years. She was an HR executive. She has five children. She hasn't been in the workforce for over five years. She's incredibly smart and talented. And she's oh so nervous about going back into the workforce and what is she possibly qualified for and trying to talk herself off the ledge. She really, she literally thinks she should just go back and get, you know, a $10 per hour job. And I guess what's the advice? Because you probably run into a lot of these folks who for, you know, just lack of, of being in the, the workforce for a handful of years, I mean, that can affect many of us on very emotional levels and, and questioning our experience and our relevance. And just curious because you, you probably get that on a daily basis from your community. That's a great question. Well, first, I would encourage you to come to the Mom Project. I did. Um, I did. <laughs> okay, good. Because we work hand in hand with incredible companies who are specifically looking to hire talented women like your friend. So that would be my first piece of advice. I would say a few different things. I would start 
by just getting your resume ready, really figuring out what is it that you want to do and map your prior experience to what are like very fast growing job jobs. I mean, as we spoke about, unemployment is at a very, very low number. So one of the things that we found is don't feel limited by maybe what you did in the past and figure out what are like the key skills that you think you're really good at and map that to potential career opportunities. So for maybe a teacher, they've got incredible experience with curriculum development, training, et cetera. That could lend itself really well, Shelley, to organizational design, et cetera. So figuring out like what are the two to three things that you're really good at and what could that map really well to in today's job market where there's a lot of open roles. That's great advice. And second, because I think it's really important that you're very specific on what you're trying to do. So taking the conversation away from I'm trying to get back to work to I'm trying to get back to work as a accountant or as a marketer, et cetera. And then when you go to look to activate your networks, I find that the more prescriptive you can be when you're asking for introductions and asking for referrals, people are much more inclined to help you. So it's not saying, help me get back to work. It's introduce me to people that you know working in accounting firms, et cetera. So I think kind of the more surgical you can be in in your strategy to get back to work, uh, the better. And we're here to make that process easier and would love to help in, in any way we can. We've got a team of talent success managers who are helping women day in, day out with these challenges, whether that mean prepping for an interview or looking at your resume, et cetera. We're here to help. That's awesome. Thanks, Allison. That's really great advice. I I, I hear you. A, a lot of people, when they reach out, they're like, hey, who can introduce me to? And it's like the universe is very large. How do we shrink it? We're all busy. And so I think as much as you can kind of narrow it down and be very specific in your request, um, your probability of success will be much higher. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's that's really usable advice for anyone who's found themselves in any level of transition or looking for new opportunities. And, and specifically, like, I think sometimes you, people make the mistake and I, you know, people who don't have marketing experience or background don't understand that specificity. If you can get to five people to introduce because they're exactly the right people, that's so much better. It is very confusing. It's like, hey, can you think of anyone in the world that you know? And it's like, okay, humans, we're not, we're not robots. I can't process that. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's a big result set you're asking for. Exactly. And Allison, we look forward to following your continued success. So excited for you. Oh, you guys are the best. Thank you so much for having me on today. It was such a great way to end the week. Awesome. Thank you, Shelly. Thank you, Allison. So that brings it to a close. This is wrapping up our, our latest episode. Obviously, if, you, if you're interested in learning more, check out their website, register if you're looking for as a company or as a resource, mention it to your friends, to other people. I know I've presented to my wife. I'm in the process of, of registering as a company as well. So I think it's a great opportunity to take advantage of, of some amazing, talented people. On behalf of Shelly, Allison, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, like, like Shelly said, we, we're, we're all going to be watching and cheering for you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Uh, we also wanted to thank our listeners. We really appreciate everyone taking the time to join us and listen to the podcast today. 
And if you'd like to receive new podcasts as they're published, you can subscribe by visiting our website at dragonspears.com slash podcast or find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was sponsored by Dragon Spears, Inc. and produced by Dante32.